chapter 29. We're finishing up our, our series on divine direction. And if you've found your way there, even though it's going to seem like it's out of place at this point, you, if you look in your bulletin, there should be a little slip of yellowish pale paper that has Habakkuk chapter 2 at the top. So uh, that's going to come towards the end of the service, but I just wanted you to be able to locate that so, you, so you've got that because we're going to uh, some, write some vision together this morning, I hope. But who gets to write your story this year? It's hard to believe we're almost at the, the tail end of January already. Who gets to write your story? Your past? Your pain? Your circumstances? Shame? The world? Your family? Your job? Did you know that Hebrews chapter 12 tells us that we have Jesus Christ who is the author and the finisher of our faith? Did you know that? It says it right there in God's Word. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. And so if somebody else has your pen this morning, it's time for you to turn it back to Jesus, okay? Take it out of the past. You can't rewrite the past, right? Pain is, a, is just part of the story, but it's not the end story. And pain is a horrible author. We've got to take that pen back for our life and give it to the one who is the author and finisher of our faith. If he's the one that can save us and secure us and see us through until the end, he's the one I want writing my story. Now, part of the story I wrote, part of the story you wrote, but the great news is we can put a period there, turn the page, and start a new chapter. And this year, 2018, can be a new chapter. Or if you don't take the pen back, somebody else will write your story. And it will probably look a lot like it did last year. And I don't want somebody writing my story. I want a story that's going to please God. I want a story that's going to make an impact. I want a story that's not so much about me. I don't want all these exploits and all this stuff. Who cares about me? I want to be somebody that follows God. I want to be somebody that it's said of me when I'm done. He, he wasn't perfect, but he followed God. He wanted to expand the kingdom. He made use of what God gave to him, and, and I hope maybe that's what you would want as well. Who's writing your story? And if it's not you, take that pen back and then hand it to God, who is the author and the finisher. Let him finish your story. No matter how bad it's been up to this point. Isn't that the great part of human stories is when people overcome incredible odds and, and hardships and things happen. And it's not just always a, a happy ending, but it's an overcoming time. You see that those things didn't define them. You see that those things were just moments of the story. And then at the end, there's something different. Did you know that you can do that as well? That if you'll allow God to, he'll take all the trouble that you've been in. And Romans tells us this, Romans chapter 8, verse 28, that he'll take all the stuff, good and bad, and work it for good for those who love God and called according to his purposes. Now think about that. If that's us, then he takes all of our story up to this point, good, bad, ugly, whatever it may be, 
and he begins to weave it into a different direction. It doesn't mean that bad didn't happen, but he can begin to weave it a different way. He turns the page, and now there's a new surprise. But that also means that you've got to follow the script, and the script is the Bible. When we don't follow the script, we go off script, a new story gets written, but it may be not the story that you want. And so I'm going to ask you again, if you'll turn to Proverbs chapter 29. (coughs) Excuse me. We're going to talk about this phrase here for a minute that the, the Hebrew word would use, but let's read what it says. Proverbs 28, or Proverbs 29, verse 18 says this, where there's no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Okay, so think about this. When the truth about God is not revealed, that's revelation. When you don't understand what the purpose is, we tend to cast off restraint. That means we just do our own thing. That creates one type of a story. Another version of it says, when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. Now you think about what's happening in our country. You think about how far we've strayed from biblical principles. And when we don't accept divine guidance, that God is God and He's got a plan for all of us, people run wild. How about the message version? If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. You don't see what He's doing. You don't see how He's directing you. You don't see what He's done in your life. You're just stumbling all over the place. You don't get it. You're in the dark. You can't see what's going on, or you won't accept what's going on. And I believe God, at every moment of every day, is trying to get people to understand what He's trying to do for them and what He's done for them already. But we have to be able to accept divine direction where He says, hey, not so much a go north, south, east, west, but a direction that says, hey, I've got some directions for you. Follow the directions. If you follow the directions, you'll get where I'm trying to get you. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not always very good at following directions. And I finally got to the place in my life where I figure I'm not smarter than the project or the kit or whatever I pull out of the box and just throw the directions aside because I don't know how many times I've started to put something together and then have to take it apart and then finally say, frustrated enough, uh, i got to get those directions and find out I put a few steps ahead of something else and now i got to take it apart and try again. Even worse... Think about driving someplace you've never been before. And here's the, here's the beauty and the glory of God. He wants to take us in places we haven't been. Did you know that? He doesn't want you to just have a rerun of every year you've ever had so far. He would love to take you to places you've never been. He even said, I want to show you new things. Have I not declared it? I want new things. I want you to walk in newness of life. But we have to follow directions. So imagine following the directions. You go someplace you haven't been, and he said, okay, you got to go to this street, and then you take a left, and then you t- go to this street, and you take a right, and then you go to this street, and you go this way, and you go about 3.2 miles, and you turn here, and you turn here. And, and that's great as long as you know what you're looking for. But have you ever followed directions, and you miss one sign? Or there's construction, 
or you took a wrong turn. You didn't mean to, but you took a wrong turn. I remember a time uh, Melissa and I were driving. We were going to, uh, uh, we were very early in the ministry taking uh, internship classes and we're uh, going to a meeting and we're driving in uh, uh, a town that I wasn't always familiar with and it was very foggy. And, and uh, I tend to drive and she tends to tell me how to drive and sometimes I don't listen. And so I pull out and, and, I, and I was like, there it is, I can see it. But what I didn't realize is that I pulled into the oncoming two lanes of traffic in the fog. She's screaming. One of our colleagues in the back is screaming. And the screaming doesn't help. We're still stuck there, right? So you do what anybody else would do. You just go faster, right? But you're going the wrong way in the fog. And I don't know if you've ever been like that, but sometimes I think even spiritually, we're in a fog and we don't know what direction we're going until impact until you find out, I was going the wrong way. How could I have been so stupid? I'm going the wrong way. Here's what God's trying to say. Follow my divine guidance. I see from above where I want you to go and where you want to go. And, and we've got to get out of our minds this thought that God's way is worse than our way. He wants great things for us, and a life spent following God will be a good life. Now, that's the question. Do you actually believe that? Because what happens is God begins to tweak us and turn us, and then we resist Him like, no, you don't know what you're doing. I'm trying to get... If your goal is the American dream, you're probably going to be disappointed. If your goal is some... You might be disappointed. Or you put your, your steering wheel in the hands of God and say, Lord, guide me, lead me. Direct me, because you know what's best for me, and you want me to have a great life. But somehow we don't always believe that, because, and you can say, well, I trust that, but have you ever argued with God? Have you ever decided, I'm not so sure I want to do what he says to do? And every time that happens, what you're doing is wrestling on that steering wheel. And if we wrestle long enough, he'll say, have it. And I'll be, I'll be back. When you're tired of going where you've been going, I'll be right there again. All you have to do is ask. But then we still have to take our hands off the steering wheel. Some of you are in transition. Some of you are looking for answers. Some of you are looking for a destination. Some of you are looking at, how do I fix my family? How do I fix this job? How do I fix my health? Take your hands off the wheel and let God drive. He will take you where he's supposed to go. He'll fix your family the way it can be fixed. We try to fix it, and it tends to get worse. We tend to manipulate. We tend to nag. We tend to do whatever. We pressure. Whatever it is, instead, God changes the human heart. God allows forgiveness to flow. God makes a way where there seems to be no way. Did you know that the Bible says that? And I will trust my destiny with a God that can make rivers in the desert, can bring dead people back to life, can make blind people see. I'll trust that person with my destiny. I know I don't see that good. He sees great. 
He knows where to go. He knows how to get there. And I have to just yield it to him. But I'm also telling you, even as a pastor, there's times where I'm like, are you sure? Now think about what we're just saying. Really, God, are you sure? Because he doesn't always do it the way we want him to do it or in the time that we want him to do it. But often we've got to understand that we've got to listen to directions. And so I gave you that that illustration of turning this way and turning that way. But what if he just said something simple? When you get to the airport, get in your car, I'll be right there, and then follow me. You don't have to look for signs. You don't have to figure out which road. You don't have to worry about construction. What do we do? Follow him. Right? How simple is that? Right? Then I can enjoy the drive. I can look and say, man, did you see Mount Hood this morning? It was so beautiful. Going over the Vancouver Bridge, it was awesome. I'm not figuring, oh, is this our exit? Oh, are we in Washington now? Are we? What? what? Uh, did I take the right turn? Am I going the right speed? Am I? I'm just following him. And he'll lead me to the right destination. And then we don't have to be sign seekers. And we don't have to worry about getting lost. And did you know that the Bible actually says, follow me? Jesus himself says, follow me. I could give you all the directions. He could have said, Read all the commandments and do them. That's following all the signs. Or he can say, I love you. Why don't you just follow me? You follow me. You go where I go. You stop where I stop. We're going to end up in a great location. Now, that sounds so simple, but that is the problem because we are resistant to divine direction. Now, Practice this word with me. The, the top of that word is like you got phlegm in your throat. And so don't say it like some American. It's not chow zone. It's also not Italian like a calzone, okay? It's like a... Can you do that? Practice that. Ha zone. Get it up. Come on. Been a lot of crud going around. Some of you have been practicing this for weeks. But it's that guttural. And it means vision, dream, revelation. It's exactly what he was saying. When, when you don't have the vision, when you don't have the dream of what God's... When you don't have a divine purpose. Think about that. When you don't have a vision of where you're going, you perish. When you don't have the divine direction of what God's trying to say, people run wild. When you don't understand God's created purpose for you, we tend to stumble all over ourselves doing whatever seems right in our own eyes. So I want to take that that phrase, where there's no vision, and, and just lay some truth on you this morning. So here's the first one. Where there's no vision that you are created to have a growing personal relationship with your creator, your inner being begins to wither and die. 
Now, have you thought about that? That you need to have a vision of growing closer with Christ. It doesn't just happen. There's a, division, there's a vision for it. There's a, a purpose in it. There's a, a dream in it. I want to know him more. I want to be known by him more. And if there's no vision for that, then the inner part of you, the part that really makes you you, begins to wither and die. John 15, 5 says it without me, Jesus, you can do nothing. And yet many times we do that over and over and over again. We say we believe in God, but we try to do our lives on our own, our own way, at our own pace, and we wonder, why isn't this working? Why is my faith withering? Why is my worship getting worse? Why is my prayer becoming useless? You're trying to do it without Him. Where there's no vision for a godly family, you end up with a 50% chance of ending up divorced. Did you have a vision for what your family was going to be like? Do you have a vision for how you want your kids to grow up? Do you have a vision for how you want your son and daughter to be married? Do you have a vision for how you're going to help raise up your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren? Where there's no vision, there's the opportunity for perishing. God has given us the incredible ability to have vision like Him, to see what we can see because he's blessed us with it. Now, we can't see everything that God sees, but we can ask him, Lord, what do you see? Isn't that great? It's like having direct communication with somebody that's in a helicopter five miles in the sky. What do you see? I see a lot of traffic. Don't take that road. Great, I'm glad to know that. I won't even go near there. But when we just see down here and we don't have vision, we get stuck, we get lost, we perish. And I, I want to key on that word for just a second. Perish doesn't mean instantly, usually. It means a long, slow process. It's like starvation. It's that withering. It's that day after day after day after day after day. It's not that you got lost for a season. That's not what he's talking about. But this is chasing the mirage. And I think we're going this way. And I think... We're going that way. And I think, I think this way is best. And over time, you're getting farther and farther away. You're getting hungrier and hungrier because you're not feeding on His Word. You're getting busy. You're doing more and you're burning more energy, but you're not taking anything in. And guess what? Your body is weakening. Also in your spirit, that happens as well. There are seasons where we get distracted and we should just set ourselves back and be silent and pray but instead, we try to work it out. I don't know if you've ever been stuck in gridlock traffic. I hate it. And for those of you that never lived anywhere but here, don't whine about Longview traffic. This is blessing. This is wonderful. This is not traffic. When our son was uh, getting ready to deploy and we're in California, we're driving the grapevine and driving six lanes, one side of California traffic, and you're just, go, oh, we got up to five miles an hour, stop, creep, creep, creep. Now, not being used to it, it's horrible. We hate it. We're like, come on, especially if you've got to go to the bathroom. We're stuck on phone support. Your call is so important to us. Please hold. 
your wait time is anywhere between 21 minutes and eternity. And what I love, and again, this is what, this is, this is the, the new world we live in, but think about the implications. In about another two minutes, a voice comes on, not a real person recording. Your call is very important to us. Please continue to hold until you die. And in another two minutes, your call is very important to us. And after about 15 times that I've told that my call is very important, I don't feel like my call is very important. I feel stuck. I feel like I can't get anybody to answer. And maybe you felt like that with God, but can I tell you, that's not His intent, that's not His plan, that's not the direction. We have the power of prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit that takes what's in our heart, even when we don't even know the words, and allows us to know how to pray. Even when you don't have words. He gets the message. We don't have phone support with God. That is so awesome. We can talk to him anytime we want. Now, what's hard is we don't always hear. But that comes with time. And sometimes he doesn't speak right back to us. Sometimes he directs us, maybe to a passage or a feeling or what we used to call an unction of, maybe I need to... But if we just sit around waiting for uh, some hand to come and say, do this, you'll be waiting a long time. Where's the vision for your growing relationship with God? Are you getting closer or are you not? And, I, and, and again, everybody's got a story. Everybody's had excuses. Everybody's been through some stuff. And you can say, hey, you don't understand how hard it's been. There's been a death in the family. There's been sickness. There's been, I get that. But that, again, is a season. And those seasons end and now pick up where you left off and stop the excuses and stop the blames and say, I'm going to get closer to God. I'm going to reach out in prayer. I'm going to actually worship. Not just on Sundays. I'm going to make it part of my lifestyle. That's the divine direction. We're called to be Christians, not just on Sundays. That's our problem. Monday, God's available and His Word is rich on Monday. And Thursday. And you can have an awesome time in worship on Tuesday. But the church isn't going to be open and nobody's going to lead you. You turn on your music. And you make your time. And you seek out your God. And get refilled and get replenished and begin to grow. But if you don't make the time, it doesn't just happen. You don't think you can just stumble in here on Sunday after a rough week of not even touching base with God and feel like you're going to connect. Or feel like even this word is going to mean anything because most of the time we're getting hard. We're perishing. What's the vision for your family? Are you raising your children up in the fear and admonition of the Lord? Your grandchildren? Have you given them at least a direction to go? Well, I don't want to force faith on them. I'm not saying force anything on them, but at least give them a faith to reject later. 
Don't just leave them empty-handed. And don't just make them do something because you think it's the duty that Christians do. If you don't have a growing relationship you're sharing with your children, they're going to understand that, and they probably will stop church when they turn teenagers. Because it just was a place to go on Sunday. But they need to see why we do what we do. Not just how. Why? And if it doesn't make a difference, if they don't see you in prayer, they don't see you in worship, they don't see you practicing your faith, it's going to just seem like something. We, it's like NASCAR. That's what we watch on Sunday. But you've got to have a vision. And the Bible tells us that we can have that vision. A couple more visions here for you. Where there's no vision, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, that it's on loan from Him, your physical health and your habits begin to slip away. Now, we're not made to last forever. Our body wears out. But when we begin to slack on taking care of it, and remember it's His, and we treat it poorly, we've lost the vision. And I'm not saying that we should all be roided out muscle bodybuilders posing in the mirror. I think that's a little silly. But church, we've got a job to do while we're on this planet. We're supposed to speed the light. We're supposed to share the gospel. We're supposed to love people and add to the kingdom. And it's pretty tough to do that when you're in such poor shape spiritually and physically that you can't do it. Thank God that Hey, we've got computers and stuff. If we're, if we're, and I'm not talking about people that are getting older and your knees are giving out and you can't walk 15 miles like you used to to school. We've all heard the stories, right? Got up at 4.30 in the morning and milked the cows and walked 15 miles in the snow to school. And then you talk to their parents, and what a lie. Cardboard shoes. Where's your vision? Where's your vision for a healthy body this year? As a person that took that for granted, I can stand before you and say, now at almost 50, I wish I had understood better how to take care of, take care of my body better. Because just because I'm active doesn't mean that everything else that was going on and I feel very blessed to even be standing here. At about the age of 37, 38, unknowingly, I ended up with diabetes type 2. Runs on both sides of my family. But I didn't realize it at the time. So I didn't think about it too much. Until I was at the gym one day and almost passed out. Get home, seeing sparklers, can't eat, totally dehydrated, go to the hospital. Blood sugar was over 500. Those of you that don't know, about 100 is normal. They said, how long have you had diabetes? I was like, never. <laughs> Start a long process. Fast forward a couple of years, because of that, not knowing that that can create hardening of the arteries and blockage of the arteries, I had a heart attack. Blockage of the heart, had a, two stents put in. Two years after that, not doing anything, just driving in my car to go get some prescriptions, had another heart attack, had another stent put in. 
And there's people that say, man, you're in shape, you look good. That's just the outside. And I wish I had understood the impact of what was happening on the inside. Now think about the spiritual this morning. Of what's happening to us spiritually. That no matter how good our makeup is and our hair is done and how well we dress, what's going on in the spirit world of our life? Is it getting blocked up? Is it getting decayed? Is it getting stiff and hard-necked? Or is it flowing in the way that God wants us to go? Are we still wrestling with the my way or his way? What, how does this work for you? But you've got to remember that your life is on loan to him. And he wants to take good care of you. And he wants you to take good care of you. And it's not about trying to cheat death. We've all got an appointment with death. And so it's not about trying to get all the tips and nips and tucks and sucks and all the things that we can do. And if you can afford that, great. But the reality is you're still 60 (laughs) on the inside. (laughs) But what about you? What's your vision for your physical health and your physical habits that will help you do and be the person he wants you to be? Secondly, where there's no vision for a financial lifestyle. We live in the richest country on earth and we can still be drowning in debt because we've got no vision for what God wants to do for us and through us. I believe he's blessed us so that we can bless other people. But if we're just running the ragged edge and we're actually, according to the recent topics, the recent stats say that most Americans spend more than they make. I don't know how that's possible, but we do. We find a way to do it. And it leaves us in bondage. It leaves us in debt. It leaves us in stress, which again starts to affect the physical, which again starts to affect the emotional and the spiritual. And it's all interconnected. We can't separate these things out. What's your vision this year? If you're over your head in debt, what's your vision this year to not be over your head in debt this year? And please don't answer by saying, well, I hope. I hope this year is different. If you don't change what you've been doing, it will be the same. And I'm not here selling you tapes or talking about financial gurus. I'm just saying that God has a plan so that we should be free in our finances, free to give, free to donate, free to to support ministry so that his kingdom gets advanced. And he wants us to have that ability without having to say, I can't give. You have to have a vision. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says, Glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Now the good news is, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ... Someday you get a glorified body. Right? Won't that be nice? You won't even have to do your hair anymore. And I'm believing a glorified body is a great body. That means that the hair that is now in my ears that used to be on my head will be replaced. (laughs) 
and all the stuff that's sagging and bagging and dragging firms up, and we get to be glorified bodies. It means we can eat what we want, when we want, how we want, wherever we want, and no calories. Jesus even speaks of the marriage supper of the Lamb, and I believe it's all you can eat. But what's your vision? How are you going to glorify God in your body this year? Maybe there's some stuff you need to start doing. Maybe there's some stuff you need to stop doing. And it's not just about worrying about skin spots and, like I said, wrinkles and all that stuff. But if this is God's body has been loaned to me, how do I glorify Him? Not me, not how I look in the mirror, but how do I glorify Him this year? In body and, even more importantly, in spirit. What spiritual things, what new spiritual habits will I take? What new spiritual direction will I go that will take me closer to God and glorify God and point other people in that direction? Here's some good news. I believe we're made for more than where we've been and what we've experienced. Do you believe that? You were made for more than this? We're not just made for a nine-to-five job and try to eke it out. We're made for more than this. But John says, John 10.10, I have come that they may have life. He didn't just say existence. He came that you could have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Look at that. I want you to have more than abundant. I don't know what abundant is to him, but he said, I want it more than abundant. That's a big deal. Philippians 2.13, for it is God who works in you. Think about that for a minute. God is working in you to have his will and to have his way and to create a wonderful life in you. He's working in you. Our job is to work it out. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it. Think about that. Maybe something stalled out. He is faithful to complete it, but he does need you to line up with him. He won't work against you. He won't force you. But you need to be confident that what he's begun in you will be completed. And begin saying, Lord, I surrender it, and I'm going to work with you. I want to see this come to fruition. Now, here's the part we're talking about, and if you find that little thing in your bulletin right there. This part is, the, is, is where it actually can begin for you this year if you haven't done it already. This is not a resolution. This isn't even a declaration. None of those spiritual terms, none of that mess. This is just taking God's Word at His Word, and here's what He says. Habakkuk 2, verses 2 and 3. Habakkuk had been calling to God. God answered him, and he said... Write the vision and make it plain on tablets. What he's really saying is write it down. What's your vision? Write it down. What's your dream? What's your created purpose? Write it down. But it says that he may run who reads it so that when you read it, action happens. Look at that. Verse 3. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. 
God isn't through with you yet. You are made for more than this, church. Right? Last year may not have been good. It may have been bad for the last three years. But you're made for more than that. He's like, this is still for an appointed time. Whenever you want to line up with me and start doing my vision, I'm ready to let it run in you. question is, will you let it run in you? But he says, but at the end, it will speak. You write the vision, and at the end, that vision is going to speak. Look at this. And it will not lie. You write the vision, lining it up with God, and it will not lie. Though it tarries, it may take a little while. You wait for it. Got it? Some of us are... He can put it in all the realms, emotionally, physically, spiritually, financially. Some of us are not in good enough shape to run with God right now. But that doesn't mean you can't be. That doesn't mean that there's not a time that's coming. That doesn't mean that you can't start preparing. That doesn't mean that you can't get in the shape that you can run with God in whatever realm that he's asking you to run in. Wait for it. Because it will surely come. It will not tarry. It won't just keep going on and on. It will not tarry. His plan is going to come. I love that he speaks with such certainty. You just write it down. Look at, he didn't say, I'm going to write your vision. Isn't that amazing? You write the vision. You make it plain. What's your vision for this year? Emotionally, spiritually. What's your vision for this year physically? What's your vision for this year financially? What's your vision for this year of getting closer to God? If you don't have a vision, it will perish. It will begin to wither and die. Let's write a vision together this morning. And so I'm just going to stop right here. Maybe you need to find a pen or whatever it is, but please, 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 please take the time. Because somehow in the act of writing it, it becomes real. Take that. Write something plain. I need to do. I need to start. I need to stop. And then you keep that with you. Maybe you stick it on the mirror in your bathroom or on the mirror in your car so you see it every day and it reminds you, here's the vision. Here's the vision. Here's the vision. What's your vision? Write it down. It's for an appointed time. You're preparing for when God shows up for you. So I'm going to pray and then give you some time to write that down and we'll go from there. Here we go, Lord. For anybody that doesn't know what to write, I pray you just help them make it very plain. They pick one area that they can be sincere and honest about where they know they can't run with you. And it's not lengthy. It's not 15 steps. It's just one or two small things that will begin to change and receive direction for you. Thank you, Lord, that you said it will come at the appointed time. You do not lie. It may take a little bit, but it won't be long forever.
We accept it in Jesus' name. Amen. Take just a couple minutes. I'm going to give you a quick heads up. For those of you who get antsy when things get quiet, I'm going to give two minutes, just two, for you to think, pray, and write it down. Ready? Go. Okay, time. You didn't get it written. It's too late. You've abandoned this year. I'm sorry. Maybe you need to take some time at home and pray about it, whatever, but I just want to make sure you had some time because I know if I don't act on stuff, <clears throat> stuff gets stuck in my Bible, <clears throat> and then somehow between here and the parking lot, it gets forgotten and it never comes back out. Would you stand up with me and grab a hold of that piece of paper if you've got it? Now, there's a lot I threw at you this morning, but let me throw one last scripture at you that it's not about this, but it's about God. This is from Proverbs 30, verse 5. It says this, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. You don't have to trust me this morning. You trust God. He knows how to give you direction. He knows how to guide you in paths you haven't been before. He knows how to fix what's been broken. He knows how to take care of it, and he knows how to give you a vision so that you don't perish, right? You don't have to trust in yourself. You trust in him. Every word of God is pure, and he is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Trust him with this. Trust him with this, all right? So let's pray together, and we're going to get out of here. Father, this is an important moment. There's someone today that for the very first time, they're actually going to have a vision for their life. Not just to attend church or, or read a Bible, but they're going to make it plain. There's going to be a change. There's going to be fruit that's beginning to get sown even now. 
Father, there are people this morning that are going to do something that's scary and they're going to realize that they have had no plan and they're actually going to start with a plan and they're going to trust you to guide them and lead them. There are those that are scared about their finances, they're worried, they're nauseated, they're sick about it, and God, you're going to give them a word and a plan and a way to fix that. There are some that their families, their, their lifestyle is a mess, but Lord, you're going to give them divine direction on how to begin to repair that, that they can run in the abundant life that you have given to them. God, there are those that are going to start a growing relationship with you. They may have been attending or even doing things out of duty, but you have felt distant and like a judge and one that just points out their mistakes. You haven't felt like a friend and a father to them. But now things are going to change. So Lord, I just, whether it be prophesy or declare or whatever you would call it, Lord, over our church, let this be a day of days where we write our vision plain, that we can run in it and know that as you are with us, it will come to fruition. Isaiah tells us that, that your word does not go forward and does not go void, but will accomplish everything that you had it to purpose. So Lord, let your word be rich in us, Lord. Let the knowledge of God and the the power of our relationship with you be rich in every last man, in every last woman. God, that we would start a new path and we would have a different story at the end of this year. God, we take that pen and we hand it to you, the author and finisher of our faith. Begin a new chapter. We ask in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Try this. See what God would do. Maybe, maybe you've got too much for that paper. Put it on your phone. But if you don't make a change, accept that you will have the same year you had last year. The same last couple weeks that you just had. This is a time that God could do something new in you, in your family, in your finances, in every area of your life. Have a blessed rest of the day. Make sure you come out for life groups tonight at 5 o'clock. We love you. You are made for more.